Meet the celebrities on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry and ElisaIlana.com. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Okay, what do New Zealand, a Los Angeles sheep farm, Greek mythology, and a mad scientist musical approach have in common? All that get mashed together in singer, songwriter, musician, and programmer Kimbra's new album, The Golden Echo. Now, you know Kimbra from her Grammy-winning duet with Gautier, someone that I used to know, and now you get to hear about the explosive creativity and collaborations that led her to The Golden Echo. She's Kimbra with the Golden Echo. Grammy-winning singer's going to join our show. Welcome to the show, Kimbra. That was beautiful. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so first we have to talk about the whirlwind with Godier. Now, that was worldwide acclaim, Grammys. So what was that time like for you? Yeah, it was definitely a whirlwind, as you said. A lot of touring for about two years, which was, you know, half sort of doing Gautier, but also touring my own record at the time. And it all happened at once. And, of course, you know, a, a lot of kind of festivals with him. We did Coachella, and then kind of the last thing to wrap it all up was the Grammys, which couldn't have been a yeah, <laughs> more exciting way to finish it all off, yeah. So then after that, you had to settle down and get back to work. So was that hard? I mean, I had to kind of readjust after all of that, and I think that was part of why I moved into this little farm space. Uh-huh. It's because I really needed to, you know, just ground myself and, and kind of, like, I think get connected with, with nature and the world mm-hmm. around me a bit more since I've been traveling so much. And then also with the Grammy nods and everything, you've got a lot of pressure on you. People are going to be very curious as to what you come up with next. So how did you process that pressure? Um, I, I just feel it was a healthy kind of pressure. I think that it's good for an artist to have a sense of, you know, there being a bit of a benchmark there and something to work towards and a bit of a challenge as well, Mm -hmm. you know. If I don't have that around, I think I would become, like, very bored very quickly and not very inspired. So you respond to the pressure. (laughs) I think it's a healthy thing, yeah. As long as it doesn't stagnate you and stop you from being creative, I think actually it can push you to be more ambitious and more adventurous. Well, I think ambitious and adventurous is a very good way to describe the Golden Echo. So did you have an overarching theme or approach when you went to write this? I think I had, like, sonic ideas I wanted to explore further. I wanted to make music that had more of a sense of, you know, kind of flow and and freer rhythms, but heavy. You know, I wanted to have more subs and more, I guess, you know, taking influence from a hip-hop kind of approach, not that the record is hip-hop, but just that bottom end feeling really heavy. Lyrically, I wanted to, you know, explore that idea of what it's like to search for love in different places, mm-hmm. not just romance, but um, in the earth and in kind of a cosmic sense. And there were a few themes like that, but it wasn't until I discovered the title, The Golden Echo, that the whole theme of the record started to take more form. Yeah. That came to you in a dream. That's correct. Yeah, it was a very special moment. Uh-huh. Do you start with sounds, beats, or lyrics? Sounds and beats are first, yeah. You know, of course, it's different for every situation, but I find generally a drum beat or a bed of rhythms will be the most inspiring place for me to form an image. And then, of course, melodies will come in around that, and that picture starts to take form. A lyrical direction will kind of blossom out of that. But beats and sounds first. In the middle of our chat with pop funk artist Kimbra. Now you remember Kimbra from her Grammy award winning hit with Godier, someone that I used to know. She's got a brand new album out called The Golden Echo. Now, Pro Tools, you consider one of your instruments, and you love playing around with Pro Tools. We love that. We're big Pro Tool girls here, too. So, how long have you been working with Pro Tools, and how did you get into all that? I moved to 
um, Australia from New Zealand when I was 17 years old, and my manager set me up with a Pro Tools rig, you know, and said, look, I think this would be great for you to grow as a producer, and that's kind of how I first got into it. Up until then, I was working on, um, hey, you remember Acid uh, on, like, the PCs? Yeah. And also little Boss 8-tracks. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So that was my first experience. And, yeah, I, I guess, you know, it became so addictive having so many tracks. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, <laughs> Knowing um, when to say when, fun. right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's a great tool, but I definitely am wary as well of, like, I don't know if it'll always be the way I make records, honestly, because there's definitely a, a place you can go into where you get lost in on all the sounds sometimes. Yeah. And I think at one point in my career, I would definitely like to challenge myself to working maybe back with eight tracks again, uh-huh. you know, the way I started. Uh-huh. See how it goes. <laughs> now, 90s music is the first single. Now, that goes from very sparse, beat-driven verse into this huge chorus. So I'm just curious, yeah. how did that come together in the studio? Man, that song started out in rural Australia with my band. So we were just having a, you know, a jam and it kind of, I said it before in it was a little bit of a jokey song. Like, okay, okay. we wanted to have this very cathartic chorus and then, like, in the verses it was just this little sample off a of Roland's drum pad, like, music. And, you know, and then I started singing on top of that, like, maybe talking about the 90s. It wasn't even super intentional. It just kind of felt fun and it took me back to that youthful place of when yeah. I was a kid and I loved Mariah Carey and I, so anyway, that, the song kind of went on the back burner, honestly. It just it didn't feel like it was as important as some of the others. Mm-hmm. But then the guys in my band, Timon and Stevie, they tried an idea on it where they put some 808s on the whole song and kind mm-hmm. of took it in a different direction from the demo. And once I heard it in that form, I just thought, man, there's an energy about the song that nothing on the record has right now. Mm-hmm. Something really kind of like a little bit aggressive. The lift on the chorus is incredible. Yeah, no, it has a playful feel to it. And I, the moment I heard it, I was like, Dan, this would be such a fun video to make, you know, as soon yeah. as I heard the song. And of course it was. <laughs> now, there's a lot of variety in the vocal production on the album, too. And sometimes your voice is very front and center and intimate and very present. And other times it's buried in the harmonies or in the production. So what led you to go one way or the other with your vocals? Well, the voice to me is an instrument. I don't consider it something that always needs to be forefront at every point of the song. I think if you're trying to have an intimate moment with the audience, you know, it makes sense to have a dry vocal right up there. And I appreciate that a lot of people want to hear a vocalist like that. But I guess I'm very fascinated by using the voice as a as a tool to create dimension, you know. Okay. Prince is an amazing artist like this as well, but, you know, he creates these kind of big backing vocal stacks that sit at the back of the song, drenched in, you know, effects or something. And it, it almost sounds like a string arrangement or something, mm-hmm. you know. I'm very inspired by the use of voice like that. So, yeah, it's, it's very much an intentional thing for me to create the vocals. And you are the horn them. in the song Miracle. That's right, yeah. Well, it's a similar approach, you know. You start with the idea of putting it down on voice, maybe with the intention to change it later, but it just feels so special on the voice. So in that case of the horn in Miracle, you actually thought it would be redone later, but they ended up keeping it? Is that right? Yeah, well, I, I just ran into the studio, put this idea down to communicate with Rich, who co-produced the record with me, and I'm like, this is what I'm hearing, you know, so let's get it, someone in to do it. And he hears it, and he's like, dude, sounds rad like that like seriously you know you should just own that sound because that is way more unique than us getting a horn section right yes the human voice is the most unique instrument you know of everything Uh yeah gotta go to break we'll be back with very original and unique artist kimbra talking more about the golden echo you're listening to the mulberry lane show be right back now and then i think of all the times you screwed 